It's all about Jesus. Welcome to episode 12 of Anglican Catechesis, where we're learning to follow Jesus on the Anglican way. Today, we'll be covering questions 48 through 50 in To Be a Christian, an Anglican Catechism, the official catechism of the Anglican Church in North America. I'm Father Kurt Hine, Rector of Light of Christ Anglican Church in Georgetown, Texas, joined by, by my co-catechist, Father Isaac Rayberg, Rector of All Saints Anglican Church in San Antonio, Texas. But before we dive in, let's take a moment and pray. This is prayer number 71 in the 2019 Book of Common Prayer, um, the prayer for Christ to be formed in us. Lord Jesus, Master Carpenter of Nazareth, on the cross through wood and nails you wrought our full salvation. Wield well your tools in this your work, workmanship, that we who come to you, rough-hewn may be fashioned into tr a truer beauty by your hand, who with the Father and the Holy Spirit live and reign, one God, world without end. Amen. Amen. Uh, may he continue to work on us. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All right, so we're we're in this second article now of the Apostles' Creed. We talked about God the Father uh, last week, and now we are talking about Jesus. I believe in Jesus Christ. So who is Jesus Christ, number 48? Jesus Christ is the eternal Word and Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity. He took on human nature to be the Savior and Redeemer of the world, the only mediator between God and fallen humanity. So we talked about the Father's being the first person, and Jesus is now the second person, the eternal Word of God, the Logos, the second person, the Holy Trinity, God the Son. Right, and one of the names of uh, Jesus that you see most often of the, of the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, is the Logos, the eternal Word. Mm -hmm. Borrowing that straight from uh, uh, John 1 there. Um, and it says he took on human nature to be savior and redeemer of the world. Um, yeah, we talked about a couple episodes, uh, how God does not have a body. Um, right. yet God, the son, the second person of the Holy Trinity does take on a human nature. He assumes a human body, um, so that he would, he could be the savior and redeemer of the world. And I think it's important to point out that, that he still has that human body. Yeah. And this is something that happens, at a point in time, but it happens for eternity. For eternity. And there's a great mystery here. Um, church word alert, church word alert, um, hypostatic <laughs> union. Hypostatic <laughs> union. Yes. Uh, so this is the, the mystery that the divine nature, right, the logos takes on human flesh, takes on a human nature, a full human nature. And in this one person now is fully God and fully man. That's the hypostatic union we're talking about. He took on human nature, and he had a purpose in doing that, to be the savior and redeemer of the world, the only mediator between God and fallen humanity. So there's a, there's a purpose to this incarnation, um, enfleshment, carne, if you know some uh, Spanish, meat or flesh. So this taking on of flesh by, by God the Son. And we talked about, um, in terms of some of that technical languages uh, regarding the Trinity, we have, um, you know, one being, one substance, one, you know, w w w within the Godhead, but three persons mm -hmm. within the person of God, the Son, 
because of that hypostatic union, we now have two natures. So one person, two natures, um, fully God, fully man, um, the human nature being something that was taken upon him in the incarnation. That's correct. And in the incarnation, all, like we said before, all three persons of the Trinity are at work, right? Father, um, son, obviously being the one incarnate and Holy Spirit who is overshadowing the Virgin Mary mm -hmm. um, in this uh, miraculous moment um, as she receives the, the very life of God into, into her body. So, so uh, question 49, what does Jesus mean? Jesus means God saves and is taken from the Hebrew name Yeshua or Joshua. In Jesus, God has come to save us from the power of sin and death. Yeah, so um, something that's lost in English is that the name Joshua in the Old Testament um, is the same name um, mm -hmm. as, as, as Jesus in the Greek. Um, there's some funny things going on linguistically. So um, it, those of y'all that do know a bit of Hebrew might know that um, in the book of Joshua, the name is Yehoshua. Um, so why do we say Yeshua? Well, that's because of some changes that happened during the exile. So by the time we get out of the Babylonian exile, the name Yehoshua isn't there anymore. It's been shortened to Yeshua. Um, that middle ho um, syllable was just weak in, in, in the new dialect. Um, and you also can't do that in Greek either. So Iesus, um, basically Jesus with an I <laughs> instead. I mean, that's what it looks like. Iesus um, is, is the same way. There is no, there's no middle. Uh, you can't put in Greek that syllable ho in the middle. So both, both Yehoshua and Yeshua are both Joshua. It's all the same name mm. um, is, is the point um, in, in, in the Hebrew. And it has to do with um, with you know, meaning Yahweh saves, God, you know, God saves, but God in that proper name, Yahweh saves, Yah saves um, yeah. because that's what Jesus came to do. Right. Uh, he came to save us, you know, and in his day, that would have been a pretty common name as common as the name Joshua is among English speakers today. Um, or, or even it's, it's not an uncommon, um, Yehoshua is not an uncommon name in, in, uh, in, in Israel today either. Mexico, Jesus is a very, very popular name. Right, right. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't even know if there is in Spanish kind of an equivalent of, of Joshua, but there's, but everybody, you know, the name Jesus is all over the place. Mm, it is. I should know that, but I don't. I'll, I'll look that up after this. Yeah, I'm gonna have to do the same. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm reading here, Matthew, the first gospel, the angel speaking to, to Joseph. Uh, she will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So uh, what's the correspondence between the Joshua of the Old Testament and this Joshua of the New Testament, Jesus? Is there, is there some sort of correspondence there, the reason they're named the same? Yeah, so we, f we find um, an extended discussion about this in Hebrews chapter 4, um, where it talks about uh, Joshua bringing them into the promised land, giving them rest, um, be, you know, because that was Joshua's role in the Old Testament, right? He's the one who brings them into the promised land. He fights their battles and um, they get their inheritance. And then in Hebrews 4, 8, it says, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. 
For whoever has entered into God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. And then it goes on to show Jesus as the fulfillment of that. Now, the cool thing is in the Greek of Hebrews, it's the same name. Mm. Uh, Joshua and Jesus are exactly the same name. And so um, just as Joshua was the one who brought them into the promised land, brought them into their inheritance. So Jesus does for us as well. well that's incredible. So Jesus is the, the true divine warrior who's leading his people um, into the promised land, into rest, into the, the, into paradise, right? Yeah. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, this is one of those things that as English speakers, we're at a bit of a disadvantage compared to some other, other folks and especially the Greek speakers of, uh, who, who, of, of the Bible. Yeah. We, it's not apparent just reading it in English that these are the same, that this is the same name at all. So we, I think we do lose a, a lot there. Um, so we call him Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ. Um, what does Christ mean? Is it the, is it his last name? Is it his last name? Or, <laughs> his middle initial is H, mean? right? <laughs> no, <laughs> Christos is the Greek term for the Hebrew title Messiah, meaning anointed one. Old Testament kings, priests, and prophets were anointed with oil. Jesus the Christ was anointed by the Holy Spirit to perfectly fulfill these roles. And he rules now as prophet, priest, and king over his church and all creation. Mm. Yeah, so that Hebrew Mashiach um, kind of transliterated into English as Messiah. Um, you know, the literal translation in Greek is Christos, which we transliterate as Christ. So uh, again, we're just borrowing from Hebrew or Greek when we're talking about Messiah or Christ, but those concepts are the same concepts. It's a title, it's a role um, that we get from uh, the Old Testament hints and again, really made explicit in the New Testament. Hmm. Um, that anointing, as it says here in the in the uh, in the Catechism, all the priests, the kings, and a lot of the prophets are anointed with oil. Um, in the next uh, year or so, we're going to see an anoint a coronation of a new king in England. Uh, king Charles III will be uh, crowned, and part of that is an anointing. Hmm. Um, and matter of fact, just this past week, um, when we're recording, the Anglican Archbishop of Jerusalem and um, one of the Eastern Orthodox patriarchs went to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem to make the anointing oil for the coronation of, of, of Charles III. Um, because all again, going back to that Old Testament picture of kings and priests and prophets being anointed. Um, I don't recall that my my um, uh, ordination, if I was anointed or not, but I know that that's a common practice um, to anoint the hands and the forehead um, as well. Um, again, I don't remember if, if our bishop had done that because we were both ordained by the same bishop. But I do know that my current bishop has done that from time to time, but not always. It's not it's not explicit in our Anglican liturgy like it is in some other ones. But again, that's Old Testament anointing imagery. And Jesus is the ultimate prophet, priest, and king, the ultimate anointed one mm. who um, all of those types point to. Yeah. So this, 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 the, the oil being poured out, I, I remember the Psalm about the, the oil running through um, Aaron's beard. Yeah. A lot yeah. of oil, 
is being poured out, the vi visualizing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the, the power of God upon this person for their particular ministry, their particular vocation and calling. And so Messiah is a is is really akin to calling him king, right? Um, yes, yeah. And and um you know, most of those kind of messianic expectations that you know that come out of the old testament are really looking for that new david that mm. fulfillment of the promise that god made for david's um david's heir to to be the the, the true king of israel um to be the the, the the ultimate king um and so that's 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 a part of it that's definitely a big part but again going back to hebrews we remember that also within this Davidic king, unlike in the Levitical system where the king and the priest were from different tribes, different families, um, following after an older priesthood, an older kingship, um, the order of Melchizedek, our Messiah is both the king and the high priest. Right. He's king, high priest, and prophet. I love seeing his his work, Christ's work, as a fulfillment of all of those three strands through the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. As the Messiah, as the as the prophet, he doesn't only speak God's word, but he is the word of God incarnate. That's right. C.S. As... Lewis has a has a in one of his essays um, talks about that prophetic role and that priest role, not specifically bringing to Jesus, but we can see it the same way. He's talking about, you know, us as ministers, but, um, you know, when we're in the, in the, in the old way of worshiping, when it was um, ad orientum facing East, um, sometimes the, the priest would face, this is the way we do it in our parish, the priest would face away from the people and towards the altar because the altar is up against the back wall. Um, and that's when he's talking to God. And that's showing a priestly role, talking to God on behalf of the people. Mm -hmm. But there are other times when the priest is turned around fa facing the people and his back is at the altar. And that's when he's talking to the people on behalf of God. Mm -hmm. And so um, Jesus does both of these things. You know, he, 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 he talks to, he, he intercedes um, on our behalf with his father, but he also delivers his father's message to us. Yeah, and what a wonderful thing to be called uh, by, uh, be called Christians. Little, yeah. Little Christ, little little anointed ones. We're, we're in Christ, and so we participate in his anointing of the Holy Spirit, who um, John says he has without measure. Yeah. And then he pours that spirit upon us uh, uniquely and individually and differently for all the different functions that are within the body, the church. And so we are a little messiahs who who get to speak god's word who get to intercede for people through prayer and and then and learn how to be um kings and queens meaning we we learn how to have self-control over our desires and to and to to love others and instead of um yeah like like our king did right who sacrificed himself for us on the cross mm -hmm. to defeat to defeat sin and death we get to we get to do that um in little ways um, not for the atonement of the atonement of the world or anything, but we get to serve others as as he served us. You know, thinking about how he, what we're gonna we're gonna celebrate that in a bit, Monday Thursday, where he where he washes the disciples' feet and he said, "This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you." Mm -hmm. That's good.
Jesus Christ. So not first name, last name, but uh, <laughs> no, Joshua, right. the mighty warrior who's brought us into the promised land, the one who's anointed with the Holy Spirit, the king, the priest, and the prophet. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for today. And next week, we'll dip into uh, some more about Jesus. Absolutely. His only son, our Lord. So we'll see you next week. God bless. Thank you for joining us for Anglican Catechesis, where we're learning to follow Jesus on the Anglican way. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to like, subscribe, share with your friends, and leave a comment below. You can also take Anglican Catechesis with you on the go by subscribing to the podcast. You can find the link in the YouTube description. Lord willing, we look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, may the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace in believing through the power of the Holy Spirit.